Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to this week's episode of Middle Liberty. I'm your host Caleb Franz. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. I'm thrilled to have you here this week. This week uh, we have a special episode because it is our one year anniversary um, and here on the Liberty and I wanted to bring on a guest who is He's not been on the program before, but he really, why hasn't he? He should have been. Uh, Stephen Perkins, he's he's really available. Um, he is the editor-in-chief here at Outset Network, the, the umbrella network that all this operates under. Um, and I wanted to bring him on and and talk with him about uh, things because he's usually the one interviewing people, not the one being interviewed. Um, so we get into a lot of discussion. Uh, we we talk about everything from we talk about everything from the gay community and the conservative and liberty movement. We talk about what the hell a Romney libertarian is, and of course, because I can't let him get away with this, we do have a bit of a debate on taxation. And I'm sure that's one debate that every libertarian just loves to hear over and over and over again. Um, so without further ado, please sit back, enjoy my interview with a, with a really good friend of mine. And I'm really happy that he was uh, able to give me the opportunity to give me this platform for this program. Sit back and enjoy my interview with Stephen Perkins. All right, Stephen, welcome to Mill Liberty, finally. Yes, thank you for having me on. I feel like this is, uh, I'm crossing into not enemy territory, but dangerous territory, well, like I, I'm watching my back. This, this this interview could go a lot of different ways. And... Yeah, based on the outline, I'm, I'm very excited for uh, for what we get into, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I, I don't expect too much confrontation, but, no. I, you know, it, it'll, it'll just depend. I'm I'm not gonna let you off with anything. Story of my life. I, I just anticipate some fun tweets and emails, perhaps, from the ever uh, bubbly libertarians. Well, the libertarians are wonderful people. Yeah, believe me. First of all, I want to start out with uh, why you started Outset and <laughs> tell us. Uh, your entire story leading up to this exact moment, like sure, this yeah, right here. Okay, yeah, that's that's easy enough. So I started outset, and uh, really the planning began in the summer of 2014, but launched it around August, September 2014, and and the whole reason was because I looked around at conservative media outlets, especially. Uh, those that were centered towards young conservatives. And I thought, wow, they're angry. Uh, they don't talk about solutions. Uh, it seems that in their ideal world, the only thing we need is a Republican in the White House and all of our problems would be uh, would be gone. Um, th overall, they just didn't represent conservatism or right of center ideologies in a good light. And so I thought, um, you know, the one thing that the conservative movement, uh, really anything on the right has suffered from is uh, a branding problem, uh, a communications problem. Um, and so I, I kind of wanted to fix that. And I thought maybe we could create this, this network. At the time, it was just a blog. It was just a couple of writers. Um, and I think my podcast came along a couple of months afterwards. But I thought, why not create this outlet that people... Uh, that that rational and level-headed and, and productive young conservatives can come to and, and share thoughts and opinions about what's going on in the world and and what a what an appropriate response should look like from the conservative movement. And so that's kind of the whole story. Um, I will say that I, I I have always had sort of this interest in politics. My idea of playing a game like uh, whenever I had babysitter over uh, the game I always wanted to play was president uh, where, where I was in the office and I was the president and they were I don't know what, whatever they were but like so I've always had this interesting um, interest in politics and government and I don't really know where that stems from because my parents were largely uh, apolitical 
in many ways. Um, the only thing I, I heard my mom say about politics is that she voted opposite of how my dad voted just to cancel out his vote, which I still think is the most romantic thing ever and the sign of a great relationship that you just will not let your spouse have any political power. Um, and so, and, and checks and balances. It, amen. So my dad took me to vote with him sometimes. So I like saw the voting and I guess I just thought that was cool. Um, and whenever I first started getting into media, I started off writing for a business young entrepreneurship blog. Um, and so I really thought that business and entrepreneurship and, uh, and technology, I thought that that would be the interest there. Um, and, and I still certainly have that interest. I mean, Outset is a business and, and I have other other things I do as well. So um, that's part of it. But I, I, I think it just got to the point. 2014 was such an interesting year where you had the obviously a defeat in 2008 and that's because the candidate sucked. You had a defeat in 2012 and that's because the candidate was too good, uh, quite honestly. <laughs> and in uh, and, and 2014, you had Republicans then uh, not right when outs had started, but a couple of months later, um, kind of take over Congress there and, and thus began not from that point, but kind of, that was a moment where really the polarization of the country, uh, went in insane directions. And I, like, I, I make no mistake that I'm a conservative, but I, I, I'm not, on the extreme end where I think that, oh, the problem is just that they're Democrats. And if we just had a Republican controlling things, things would be better. Obviously, that's a hard case to make post 2016. Um, but I, but separating Republican from conservative, I, I, I was raised with this conservative ideology. Um, and as I started to research it more, I changed a, a bit. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. But for the most part, I just thought these are ideas that need to be highlighted. These are ideas that need a fair representation. And so that's why I decided to start Outset to answer your question in a very long uh, manner. Did you um, did you envision that Outset would have this sort of success that it's had? Or that, that it would be where it is today? Yeah, I, I think part of me was like, oh, this is just going to be a, a cool way to kind of connect with other people and write some things. I'll be honest, it was largely a way for me to write things um, on a website that wasn't just a personal website. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that, it was a way for me to, to write things alongside other people writing stuff. Um, and I think that's that's kind of where I, where I find most joys in writing. I, I never... I, I had this sort of big long-term vision that maybe this could end up like a big media network. Um, and, and you know, that vision maybe isn't realized yet. But no, I, I never would have thought like now we have you as the podcast director and a whole fall or a whole lineup, almost a week long a podcast. I never thought that we would have um, the, a, a website uh, in the sense that we have one now, I mean, if if you remember the original website, it was very basic, and um, now we've added in all sorts of new stuff. I would never have imagined that we would have gone to CPAC, and the first year we went to CPAC, it was just me uh, going, and I didn't know anybody, I didn't know what I was doing, um, but I never would imagine that I would br- end up bringing a whole team to CPAC and covering it from that. So no, I didn't think it would be, I didn't think it would take off like this, but um, but really the the reason why it did. Want to make sure I'm clear about that is we got great people on the team and we got people who were dedicated to the mission and, and just agreed with the whole prescription of presenting conservative ideas in a more, I guess, productive way. Um, and so it's all because of all of the people past and present who have been involved with the network that we've been able to grow to this point. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, that's helped certainly my growth and it's, it's helped, I think a lot of people. So uh, I I think the fact that it has been, uh, a lot more like a family than it has been just a a internet blog (laughs) has, has certainly helped its growth. So you are gay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, uh, um, among and, many among many other things. <laughs> <laughs> and you are a conservative. Yeah. And for a lot of people, that's 
those are those are two things that that don't necessarily go together. You actually right. you actually came out uh, in in a in a post, right? Yeah, I I, I like wrote publicly about anyway. Right. Yeah, I wrote um, shortly after. So the summer of it was that I guess twenty fifteen, huh? The summer of twenty fifteen, you had um, the marriage decision at the Supreme Court, and uh, and later I guess early that fall, um, I wrote an article about privatizing marriage. And I, I remember, I remember writing it and, and, and just going back and forth on whether I should include that because it was the first time I'd ever obviously mentioned it. Um, and I published it right before walking into my class that's in a basement. Um, and so after an hour and a half long class, I walk out and I started getting responses to it. And it was the, really the, one of the first things that I've written that got that big of a response. And, uh, it was just, yeah, it was incredible. And, and it wasn't like, I look back on it now and I think, oh, I could add so much more to that. But so the point wasn't so much to talk about the subject matter as much as it was like, this was the first time I was talking about the fact that I'm a gay conservative. And that was, yeah, that was a, that was a big, it was a big moment for me. Do you find that the right is, is coming around on, on issues like that? On well, so there's a, there's a bunch of different issues, right? On the marriage issue, you and I have chatted before about um, about how the Republican Party has somewhat evolved on that. I mean, I, I would argue there's a difference between the Republican Party's platform and the general conservative attitude. I think most young conservatives right. they they don't care. Most young conservatives, much to my liking, are, are finding themselves being a little more socially, I, I, I won't use the term socially liberal, but socially tolerant, uh, but definitely staying physically uh, conservative. So I think among people our age of our generation, uh, it is better, um, at least on the marriage end. Um, and as far as the party, it's obviously not really a big issue now. Like You don't have Republicans talking about overturning that decision um you even have republican governments state and local governments that are kind of you you had the initial pushback with uh, with that county what was that the county clerk um uh, who mike huckabee rescued from prison but uh you haven't seen much of that uh, after that but i i think there are other issues that the right um hasn't necessarily looked at uh, or evolved on, and, and and part of it is because they haven't been brought up within the Republican Party, and the other part of it is that um, it's very hard to, when you don't have that many, uh, I'll just say members of the LGBT community in a, a political party or in an organization, it's hard to gain insights as to what issues they think are important uh, because you you just don't have that input happening, and so I I think. For the most part, the the overall attitudes are becoming better, and the marriage thing is is better. Um, but there are still issues that happen that I think Republicans um, are turning a blind eye to, not because they don't care, but I think because it's just not on their radar. If that makes sense. And I mean, in some ways, just like not not talking about it is is almost many of their ways just being like yeah it's 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 a thing you know like what else do you want us to do about it well at least for the marriage thing yeah but but there's there's still some issues uh that that they that they don't talk about and i think part of it is they don't want to talk about it i i mean like what, 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 what issues what, are you thinking of well, well the, the the most apparent one i think is the uh the bathrooms issue which has mm. there's a whole couple of layers but what's interesting mm -hmm. is that republicans framed that in a way that they said um these trans people are trying to change this policy when it was republicans who brought up that issue in state legislators like republicans were the one <laughs> who woke up one day and said this is a big issue and we're gonna have you know creeps in restrooms if we don't do something about it and then they turned it into this whole oh the trans community is trying to trying to you know manipulate the law and, and they're trying to open up bathrooms for everybody and not only do i think it was a stupid issue but but nonetheless it was a, an issue that republicans brought up and on top of that some some of the more um local issues that we probably don't think about uh such as um such as how we treat 
uh, LGBT youth in education and and how we look at bullying and 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 mental support and things like that. Um, that's something that a lot of Republicans they're not willing to have that conversation about that. Now that's more of a, a local issue in my view, but those are a few examples. Um, so culturally speaking, I, I find that uh, there there's a bit of a stereotype that that was associated with the gay community for a long time, and that was that for the most part, just pretty much liberal. And it seems like, especially, not necessarily at the exact point of the Supreme Court decision, but I, I feel like that may have been a bit of a catalyst, and, and it projected people to possibly feel like, you know what, this may be an issue where the left is right on, but everything else I'm kind of in line with conservative ideology or libertarian ideology. Do you think there's been a cultural shift in the gay community about that? In terms of political identities? Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that's an interesting question because it's, it's kind of this nuanced, uh, complicated thing. Um, I, I've written before that uh, the LGBT community, the movement, was originally started with a very libertarian idea. Let us live our lives. We're not affecting you. We're not endangering you. So let us be who we are, and you can be who you are. And it was this very um, kind of, it was a movement for equality. But as many movements for equality have turned into, whether you look at how feminism, for example, evolved, um, it has now become a, a, a very seemingly monolithic uh, culture within the LGBT community. And, and what I mean by that is is there, there are plenty of gay Republicans. There's a whole organization uh, uh, for them. Um, uh, and But when you look at mainstream, and I want to be very careful that I'm not making a generalization, but from my experiences, when I have... Uh, interacted with mainstream uh, gay and lesbian and other other individuals, um, there is a severe pushback against people who consider themselves conservative or Republican and also gay. Uh, and I think part of that is they are equating a conservative ideology, of which I would argue they don't know what conservatism means. Most conservatives don't even know what conservatism means, but they're equating that with the policies and platform of the Republican Party and Republican legislators and the current Republican president, all these things. And I would argue that uh, if if we wanted to view this through an intellectual lens, you would say, no, those two things are different. You can be a conservative and ideology gay person and not agree with Republican legislators who are uh, who are very much so not necessarily allies. Um, but within the gay community, there seems to be this idea that if you are a conservative and a gay person, you're not welcome. Uh, you saw the, uh, the, the, uh, the backlash that the Republican Party groups got whenever they tried to march in a pride parade, which is baffling to me because a pride parade is about – I mean, I don't like parades just because I don't like people uh, and being around and being around crowds. But uh, it's baffling to me that a parade that is supposed to be about acceptance and um, and bringing together uh, allies and, and matching them with people in the community. How odd that you would have a Republican Party group or a, a gay Republican organization be able to allies, be, yeah. be able to step up and say, we're with you, we agree with you, we want to fight alongside you. And these these pride parade uh, organizers are saying, no, we don't want you. We, 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 we think that you're destructive and you're hateful. And it's like, we're trying to be your ally. <laughs> Um, but, but I think that happens a lot, doesn't it? With political, uh, uh, identities is that we make these very generalized, um, sweeps to say that if you're not the perfect member of our community, you're not welcome. The, the, and this happens everywhere, right? If you're not our perfect feminist, 
you're not a feminist. If you're not a perfect gay person, then you're not a real gay person. If you're if you're a African American who votes conservative, you're not a real African American. It's just it's these insane, uh, insane beliefs. And and albeit, I, I think um, I use the term mainstream. I, I really think it, it, there's there's extremists with everything, but um, you know most people, luckily that I've encountered, have have been uh, have have been accepting enough to understand, like, oh, there's a difference, right? Like you're not you're not someone who who uh, who is the opposite of an ally. So it, it's a complicated issue, but I guess the overall thing is that there is still a lot of hostility, and it strikes me as odd coming from a group that is supposed to be about. Um, engaging everybody and and um, and being inclusive. Yeah, and I find that interesting too because I've been thinking about this a little bit lately. That the left has banked so much on identity politics for so long. Um, it has helped them in some regard because the Republican Party or the conservative movement uh, or the right in general has been pretty bad on on issues like that but as the right becomes better the left is finding that they don't really have anything else to offer them like if both sides are offering them the same thing on on say gay marriage or or you know when talking about minorities and 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 things like that when the right is offering them the same thing then the left is starting to realize and this can be attributed in part to the uh, the previous election, that they have nothing to offer uh, the people who they're trying to signal to. I, I, I would um, I would offer up two points on that. The first point is that Republicans have now increasingly started to dabble in identity politics. Um, yes. The election of Donald Trump was, I think, in many ways, a reflection of identity politics, just in the opposite direction. Um, and the second note that I would put on that is, is I, I completely agree. Yes. Um, the left is starting to realize we don't have as much to offer. There's still opposition though. People, um, will still say, well, the Republican or the conservatives used to believe that. And even though they say that they're okay with it now, I don't know if we believe it. And some of that has merit like that. That's probably a genuine concern, but but I I would just offer that. That's that's always going to, to be a thing. Like, sure. I mean, people are still saying that, you know, Republicans just switched from, from Democrats to Republicans and they're the party of, of slavery. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's just ridiculous. Like I'm not a Republican, but come on that's that's idiotic you're you're really stretching for something like that sure um so you filled in for me a few weeks ago i did i did that was that was fun yeah yeah that uh uh that's that's you enjoyed it yeah you know i I mean it gave you stuff to think about enjoyed is uh a a way to put it yes i agree um i wouldn't say I agreed with everything, but sure. I enjoyed it. Well, let's talk about it. Let's 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 talk about it. <laughs> uh, let's start with this. What the hell is a Romney libertarian? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I use this one just because uh, it presents more questions than it actually answers, which it I does. like. It I, really I like does. I like the mystery of things sometimes. So a Romney libertarian. Okay. So I, I, I am, uh, I, I supported Bob Barr in 2008. Do you remember Bob Barr? The guy uh, with the nice he, mustache? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, I don't think he shaved it yet. Has he? No, he still, still has the very full mustache. Um, yeah, yeah. so I supported Bob Barr in 2008. That was my first interaction with the libertarian party. And I thought, what a great party. I mean, besides all the ponytails that I'm seeing, what a great party. Um, but even more so a great ideology and, and a great way of viewing things. I, I think th- so the Romney part comes in of like I, I'm a big you fan a of massive man crush on Mitt Romney and I, I really do all the Romneys. I do the Mitt, whole the whole Rom the, the, the whole, whole the whole Romney family. My goal in life is to be invited to their Thanksgiving or their Labor Day or something where they take the group picture because I want to photobomb in my pastel colors. Um, but so I like Romney because I think he's a good statesman, a good leader. Um, he might be running for Senate in 20, uh, 2018, so who knows. Um, Romney Libertarian is obviously libertarian. I, I have a deep passion for 
individual liberty. I believe that every human deserves to live their life uh, uh, without excessive government involvement in their lives. Um, basically, do what you will, don't hurt me, we'll live, uh, you know, happy lives. Um, yeah. I, I, I also believe that there's just that for me, libertarianism is about let's follow the Constitution. Um, and for those listening who don't know, the Constitution is a document that is supposed to be the foundation of our governance. But sometimes uh, or in recent history, that has not necessarily been brought up. So I do believe in the in the Constitution, but I, don't I also know anyone listening to this who wouldn't know. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> in I, a very like you're you're talking to libertarians right now. Well, yes, so. but but you may have some new people coming in. Okay, who knows? that's fair. Um, but so so I believe in all the all the values and the the, the ideological foundation of of America. The Romney part of it is just to say that um, I like Mitt Romney, and and I, I think that he. <laughs> His overall message has kind of been this idea that the government, um, the government should be a good steward of uh, the powers that people bestow upon it, um, and I, I, I believe that. So, as a libertarian, I want limited government, but I, I, I want an effective government that whatever it does in a limited capacity, I want it to do it well. I want it to uh, to to know its boundaries, but also. Um, also serve the people in the way that they are uh, that they are demanding to be served by uh, by elections and whatnot. So, like it's 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 not like I'm going to be starting a new ideology or anything, but that's that's how I describe it. Uh, so you've described me as a, a purist libertarian. I yeah. I, I I don't know if I completely well agree with that just because it's it's hard to really define what a libertarian is among a lot of libertarians. So it's like what's pure, what's not pure. Um, but I I am curious. You're what, an organic libertarian. You're uh, organic, free okay. range organic libertarian. Okay. How about okay. that? That's, that's completely fine, I guess. Okay. Um, what? prevents you from going any further than where you are because what i what many people who describe themselves as libertarian today are actually dabbling very closely to the line of of being anarchist um okay. and i'm not an anarchist uh, i believe that the government no, has either. a well but some some people and i'm sure we'll get into taxation but some oh, people yeah. within the libertarian movement um they what they think they're doing is prescribing this very beautiful vision of a country where everything is privatized and everybody's happy because everybody's free to do whatever they want to do. But what they're actually describing is, I, I would argue in many ways, anarchy. They're like, we don't actually want the government. We just want everything to be handled privately and, and we, we don't want taxation or I, I mean, I'm describing kind of the extremes of it, but, uh, I, I think I, I am fully okay with embracing the small L libertarian thing. And um, and like you said, there's a lot of different definitions of it. I have my way of looking at it. Someone else has their way of looking at it. I would never probably be a libertarian party member just because that's quite the mess. Uh, probably more messy than just the word libertarian. Well, so. Yeah, you'll, you'll never see me necessarily defend sure. the libertarian party. Um, but as an ideology, I think, I think they're there's uh certainly some room for persuasion for you <laughs> so i mean so i i'm interested in that though what issues what i i could think of a few but i mean what what do you think are the areas where i don't go go through the libertarian lens well it's, it's other not so than tax it's not well yeah well we'll get into that here in a bit but it's not so much that I, I think you don't go through the libertarian lens it's I think your uh, definitions of purity and pragmatism are a little bit different than mine okay um, I think you think that well and I don't want to put words into your mouth but just from from my perspective and my observations of, of speaking with you about this in the past, um, it seems like you think, you know, purity is just, I mean, like you said, complete anarchy. And a lot of people don't think that's a problem. I, I 
like to dabble in the thought of anarchy a lot. Not I'm not an anarchist, but I like to dabble in it quite a bit. Um, and as, for you, I think you think that pragmatism is just like having government, but you know, being reasonable with it. Whereas I think pragmatism is going from or purity is going from zero to a hundred, and pragmatism is meeting all the other numbers along the way to try to get to the ultimate end goal. That's interesting. So I, I think it's fair to say that what, purity is probably not the best word. And I, I, so I apologize for the lack of, of well, clarity on that. It's probably yeah, not. I mean, I mean, I mean whatever I, you want to call it. I mean, that's, that's kind of. Yeah. I mean, so I, I believe in the pragmatic libertarianism. I, I think the challenge is um, how overnight some libertarians envision these changes taking place. Um, and, and I, I think, you know, a nice first step would be maybe we just start following the constitution when we draft laws, maybe a second step is we start downsizing some, but it, but it seems to me, and again, I don't want to generalize, but it seems to me as if a libertarian says, you know, let's get a libertarian in the white house. He'll knock out the IRS. He'll knock down the, like all the government organizations that we like we'll just do away with them and we don't actually need to have a plan in place on how that transition happens uh let's let's reduce uh taxes to i mean there's a bunch of let's institute a flat tax on day one and there just seems to me that is a lot of zero to 100 um but for some libertarians they would say no that's pragmatic all we have to do is get a libertarian in the white house i was like well that that's not pragmatic. So I don't know how you're arriving at I mean, that. But I, mean, I, yeah, I, I agree that that's, that's not the way to go about it. You know, it's, it's a game of inches. It's not a game of miles. And you have to take what you can yeah. get, especially when you're talking about the Leviathan that is the United States government. Um, but I think that where I stop on the scale of how far to go and where you stop on the scale of how far to go is where we actually differ and I, I, I consider myself a pragmatist libertarian because I don't want to go from zero to 100. I want to go as far as we can, but I know that it's not going to be overnight. I know you can't, you know, it, it took 100 years to get to where we are right now in the current, really longer, but I mean, in, in the very general sense of, of things, it took 100 years. It's not going to happen overnight. I understand that. But I want the end goal to be, I think, a little bit of a different place than where you would envision the end goal to be. And that's, that's probably that's probably fair. Um, I mean, and I don't think we're too far off from each other. Um, but yeah, I mean, there there are some issues that I think you would go farther on, and, and, I, and I think that's okay. Um, I think what we could, I mean, let's say that if we're talking about numbers, let's say that I think we should stop at 50 and we, and you think we should stop at 75. Um, well, let's at least get to 50, right? (laughs) Like, (laughs) well, I, I, yeah, I know, but (laughs) whatever that number, like, let's at least, let's at least get to some of those numbers and then we can hammer out details. But yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think that's fair. Um, so so organic libertarianism (laughs) so so why exactly do you love taxes then (laughs) i well to be i mean you've heard me complain about the deductions out of my paycheck i don't love taxes um at least not on a federal level per se um i i don't i don't go into this idea that taxation is theft because a that's incorrect and b well it's incorrect because at best you can make an argument that taxation is extortion at best the word theft and i'm i'm I, i like to be concise and clear about language the word theft implies that this money gets taken and it goes into a black hole and you never any at any time see anything uh any anything in return of that um and there does seem to be this idea of i'm paying for all these things and i'm not getting anything and and the government is taking my money against my will 
Um, and that's incorrect. Like it doesn't just disappear and you never see the benefits of tax money again. And the, the word theft implies that you're not getting anything in return. If someone steals my car, I'm not getting anything in return for that. Now, if, if they force me by gunpoint uh, uh, to, to, I don't know, to, to give them money and then they give me something, like that's a very weird exchange, but it's not theft, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, but, but how is it not, though? Because, because theft is... Theft Basically, is taking, taking they, someone's property and they get nothing in return. Property. No, no, it's it's taking someone's property without consent, regardless of if they get anything in return or not. Right. So the consent part is is really where it comes down to. I personally do consent to being taxed. You um, may, but I do. everyone doesn't. Every, everyone absolutely does. That's the difference. But they don't, though. If you're a citizen of the country, if you hold a job that you know because you fill out paperwork says that you will be taxed, uh, and if you choose to live on the grid, as we say, you're consenting to being taxed. And I I know, let me put it this way, it's not an ideal world. Like, I know that's not an ideal system, and I would argue that there isn't an ideal system, uh, but you absolutely consent by either by your citizenship or by the actions that you take as an adult, uh, you, you consent to certain things being taken out of place. I'm looking at moving cities right now, right? I'm looking at moving to a city that has uh, a, a city income tax. I'm moving there with full knowledge that there is an income tax within that city if I live and work within that city. Um, I'm not going to move there and then say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, guys, I didn't consent to this, okay? I knew full and well. The, that that that's going to happen um and, and so that's that's the road i would go down with saying there is consent in my mind well here's the thing though it's that y- you may be able to consent to that you personally but that doesn't mean that i personally consent to the same taking of property and the same taking of assets that is money because if your only other option is you're going to go to jail for this if you don't consent to it, then that's not really a the voluntary other, transaction. The other option is that you don't do actions that produce uh, a requirement for taxation. What do you mean by that? Have you have you considered have you considered not having a job and not making money? No, but that doesn't it, for me to live on my own. That that the government has has no place to to do anything about that. Right. And again, I get back to it's not an ideal system, but there there is a consent that happens because you're making the decision that I want to be able to afford uh, to live on my own, for example. And so I'm going to go out and get a job. One of the things that happens when you get a job is you you agree to be taxed at a, according to that tax bracket. And so I, I think that's well, where we get. There, to the, there's, a, there's a lot of things that aren't ideal. That doesn't make it any less theft. That's 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 the thing I'm I'm saying is that you're you're saying that's not ideal and that in in that justification makes it not theft and that those two things don't connect. They're I'm not, not sa- I'm not thing. saying I'm not saying it's not theft because it's not ideal. I'm saying that uh, two independent situations of it, it, I don't think it's theft by definition, and it just so happens that it's not a perfect system. But, you know, I, I would much rather have it uh, than, than the alternative, which would be um, not having funds to, uh, to, to facilitate the functions that, that a government should serve. Well, sure, you would have funds. There, there are plenty of different ways other than sticking somebody up for their money <laughs> to take that without their will or saying... You know, I mean, you could say it's consent, but like I said, that's not really consent. If your only other option is you're going to go for, to jail for this. But again, you're saying that is your only other option when in fact it is not your only other option. That is one of the other options, but that's not the only option that you have as a human individual uh, to just go to jail. Like it, it's not that black and white is what I'm arguing. But the thing is, is that you, you are, no matter if you move to, you know, if you're moving from Dallas to wherever it is, 
first of all, just because it's a change in taxes doesn't mean that taxes are eliminated, you know. And second of all, you're still being taxed on the federal level, on the state level. There are plenty of different, I mean, you know, you could argue that that's, you know, double, triple, whatever jeopardy in, in the form of taxes. Um, and I feel like you would agree with at least part of that. But it's well, double je- je- double jeopardy is used whenever you're talking about someone can like tr- right, like, right. trying to convict in a someone legal, of a crime. In a legal sense, yeah, but but in a in a tax sense, it's it's kind of the same idea. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree that a state should not have a state income tax, and I I agree that local uh, local government should not impose one. Would you um, would you at least say that 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 the income tax is theft? That I would what? And that the income tax is theft. I mean, no, because I, because again, in my view, I choose to get a job. I choose to have an income, uh, of, of, of a certain amount every year. Um, and so I know that income tax is going to happen. Like well, if I didn't want to pay income tax, happen, that doesn't mean it's not theft though. That's, that's the thing is like, is like just because you know, and, and you know, this is going to happen, you know, that, um, that taxes are a thing of life that's still not making it any less theft. But I'm saying my action of getting a job and, and, and being paid for that job, that is where I am consenting to then being taxed. But that's not a consent to being taxed. That's a consent to, to getting money. To the, the transaction, the consent, is that I'm going to work so you're going to give me money. That's where the consent is. It's not with the government. It's with your employer. Right. And the documents you fill out is that a certain amount of that will be withheld for your tax. Right. But that that's it's still the government coming in and taking it without your consent. Okay. Like, I, I, I get where I you're coming from. I mean, your income is still I, being I, taken from your pocket into the I government. I see it every month see it every month what would the alternative look like is what i'm always interested in the alternative to the income tax or taxes in general if we didn't have if we didn't have an income tax if taxation is theft um what is the prescription for fixing that okay there's 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 two parts of this that i want to touch on first of all this again doesn't make it not theft just because if there isn't an alternative then I mean that's that's just a justification for theft, which is a completely different thing. The moment people start, you know, just saying like, yeah, it's theft, but here's the justification for it, that's entirely different than completely denying that's theft. The alternatives I think would start from the local level and go to the federal level because I think the worst thing, the the dumbest thing on earth to do right now, is to be taxed from the the top down. And not the bottom up, because if if there was actual um, if if there was actual decision making and where your taxes actually went, then you could actually make, I believe, some form of argument that which theoretically would, there is. Yeah, but there's there's not. You don't get to decide on if if you your taxes go to bombing some children in Syria or not. Not not directly because that would be a direct democracy. But in the form of government that we've chosen, a representative form, uh, we vote for people who who fight uh, the best they can to direct where that money goes to. Um, unfortunately, that it just it seems like every single one of them uh, doesn't put that money towards a good place, but nonetheless, we keep reelecting them. Um, but I mean, you could argue that that's kind of the other thing of consensus of like, well, we, we have rights to vote and we have rights to, to make impacts in our government. But I, I see what you're saying. I didn't well, mean to I, Okay. That's, that's, that's uh, an entirely different discussion. I don't want to get too like off topic into sure. representation. Um, but I think there are no taxation plenty. without representation. I, I, well, I, I want to get into the very specific thing of, of the alternative. Um, I think that there are plenty of things that can be provided by the market that we just automatically assume is provided by the government and no other alternative can happen. The moment that we start scaling back what it is that we can actually provide with the market as opposed to the government and then 
focus in on, okay, what exactly is the government actually supposed to do? Then I think you can get to a point to where you can have lotteries, you can have um, voluntary taxation in the sense of, of actually, you know, what, what you, you get to actually choose what you are taxed on as opposed to um, just being taxed across the board blanketly. I mean, there are a lot of a lot of different people have a lot of different ideas about how to go about this without a direct form of taxation. But to say that there aren't any alternatives is, I, I just think, foolish. And I agree. I, I've heard the alternatives. I, I don't think they necessarily replace the system we have now in a productive way. So I, I agree. Well, they with don't you. replace the system we have now, and that's the point. You know, that's, well, it's, it's, but the I, point is I, to I mean back the, everything. I mean in the effectiveness of raising the funds that you need. So here's what I, I agree with you on. Yes, the the federal government uh, and even arguably state government, but but I, I you know there's fifty of them. Uh, the state the I federal would say government even localities as well. But yes, well sure. There, there's hundreds of governments within our our country. Um, yeah. The federal government needs to be scaled back. There there are absolutely things that need. Uh, that they need to get their hands off of. For example, uh, the past few weeks with hurricanes, you did an episode on this, uh, the free market individuals, local organizations are much better than FEMA uh, in, in providing aid, both immediately as it's happening, immediately after it's happening, and even long-term after it's happening. So I agree that there are a lot of things that the federal government should not be involved in. Social security, I, the government should not be setting up retirement plans for people. Uh, a retirement plan that's going bankrupt. Um, so I agree with you that the first thing is to scale back. Especially what, when you're making them, and they don't even have an option of opting out. Okay. So <laughs> what what I would argue is I would almost flip the way the taxation, but not not completely. So let me explain this before we. Okay. I, I I would have so right now you have if you have a state income tax, it's usually six eight percent. You know, it's somewhere somewhere around there. Um, I think just knowing how the founders envisioned the country of, of quite literally being united states that make up this kind of uh, federal system, um, although nowadays it seems as if the federal government controls the states. It's supposed to be the other way. Um, I would argue the federal government should have an income tax below 10%, something that is five, six, seven, something like that. Um, and then the state should be able to uh, decide what that looks like on their level. I, I, I very much uh, prefer a consumption or sales tax over an income tax. I think that makes the most sense for a state here in Texas. We don't have an income tax. We have a property tax and a and, and, and sales tax that happened. And so we have different ways of, uh, of raising those funds, uh, which I think again, kind of brings up this idea of 50 different little experiments going on. But even as you mentioned, more, more than that, there, there's hundreds of different experiments that should be going on uh, around the country with that. Um, so that I would kind of flip how that model works of the federal government really not not taking much. But first step is, like you said, scaling back and then they don't even need much. So they therefore don't have to take much. Okay. Well, I mean, there, there's And I know it's not lot. perfect. Yeah, there's, there's a lot more that I want to get into, and we can't spend our entire time on this topic, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. Okay. <laughs> so how exactly, and this is a very like 90 degree turn from, from taxation, but how exactly can we as a movement um, change things culturally without diving into sensationalism? Like the libertarian movement in particular. Well, well, the the freedom, you know, liberty movement. If it's libertarian or conservative, whoever is in it, just how can that movement in general uh, change things culturally without being sensational? The Milos and the think, Tommies and and everything like that. Sure. Here's the thing with sensationalism. Sensationalism is a sign that you are not comfortable with the ideology that you have. If you have to twist facts, if you have to uh, make things into more of a doomsday situation than they actually are because you want to score political points, you don't actually believe that you have the winning ideology. And I think it's, fa it's fair to say that most liberty 
uh, minded people, they absolutely believe that they have the best ideology and they know that and they're, they're well versed in that. And so what I would say is that um, sensationalism is not needed for you to win and, and also understanding it's this long term game. I talked earlier about some people wanting to flip a switch and uh, in the world being uh, being more conservative or more libertarian or, or whatever or what have you. Um, it's a much longer term game and it it, it starts by by showing a side and specifically for libertarians i was reading something that i I don't agree with but i'll share the anecdote of uh if if a libertarian sees someone who is starving and he has two loaves of bread he's only going to give that bread if he if he wants to like he, he screw the poor guy he doesn't really care but if he feels like it that day then maybe i think it's it's uh it's a about holding ourselves to a higher standard and showing that we're not assholes. Uh, we do care about people. We just believe in helping people in a way that actually is more productive in the short term and the long term. Um, and so not giving into sensationalism, I mean, it's, it's quite honestly just tell the truth with love. Um, and if you can't win by telling the truth, you're, you're doing something wrong. You're, you're not promoting the right idea. Uh, and so that's kind of my overall opinion on that. And I, I think Glenn Beck recently said with his network in the blade, he said that, uh, if, if we can't be successful by telling the truth, we're going to shut it down. I, you know, I, I don't want to run something that has to dive into sensationalism. And I, I, I agree with that because I don't think you have to compromise your ability to have productive and level-headed and sane conversations um, you don't have to compromise that just to, to kind of win in the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's been the most surprising thing that you've learned as you have grown and, and built outset to where it is right now? Oh boy. Um, I think, and we, we, this is something we use in marketing to get people to join our team, but, but we have this phrase that says, we believe a small group of people can, uh, essentially change the world mm-hmm. um i do i think we've changed the world uh, no uh do i think that we have the potential to absolutely and I, I the biggest thing i've learned is that when a group however small of dedicated people who just believe in the same values and have the same kind of uh have the the same intentions good intentions I really do think that that you can change things for the better. Um, you know, I think we've lasted for a while because we haven't compromised our values and because we haven't given into sensationalism. And part of that is because uh, we've had great people on our team. We've also had people that had to leave the team uh, either because it just wasn't their thing or we weren't growing fast enough or, um, or they... It just wasn't a good fit for them. And so I think the biggest thing is just realizing that um, if you nurture the team, that's kind of your the, the bottom and, and you work from the bottom up. And uh, and that's been the, the part that has had the most biggest impact on me. Um, so a little a little uh, lightning around scenario <laughs> of questions. Okay. A little bit more personal. What has been the... Um, biggest influence on your worldview? My political worldview or just overall? General. Um, political. Kind of branch it off. Boy. Into, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I, I, I kind of, I, I've been thinking about this a lot recently and that's just, a, I like to psychoanalyze myself even though I have As no formal, does. even though I have no formal training and I probably <laughs> create more, uh, more anxiety than I need to, but uh, I feel I feel like I really didn't start living my life, or or I, I, ha- I I'm not the person that I am today. Um, I haven't been this person uh, 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 before 2008, uh, November. What was election day? November 6, 2008. Oh lord! Um, <laughs> I don't and even it's, remember that. And, and it's not because of the election, oddly enough. But on election mm-hmm. day in 2008 is when my mom passed away. And, uh, yeah, and uh, from, from cancer. And that is when I started this, like, I, I was forced into this new era. 
And uh, one of the things that my mom taught me and one of the lessons that she's left behind and really it's funny how it happened because at the moment I didn't really understand this but as I as I've thought about it for more uh for for longer it's kind of come up um she just taught me this idea that that uh there's people in the world who who need to be helped um there's people in the world who need to be helped that that people are good um and that uh that the world can be I I have uh, this is probably getting too mushy, but I have by my desk this added this uh, this poem called "Attitude" by Charles Swindle, um, and she always had it by her desk. Um, and one of the things it says is, "We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. The only thing we can do is play the one string we have, and that is our attitude." And so my worldview, um, I, I can be no, I can be uh, negative at times. But I, I overall have this very positive idea about the world, and and I, I think that um, I think that people really just do want to have better lives, and they want their countries and their worlds to succeed, and they want others to succeed, and so that's kind of that's influenced my worldview. Of I, I don't see the world as this negative place. It's certainly a place that has a lot of negative, terrible stuff that happens in it. But at the end of the day, I think when you really peel back the onion, there's there's a lot of uh, um, there's a lot of good. And so a, as far as politics, I think growing up in that time with that with that with that worldview is um, I saw the increasing divisiveness that our country has gone through. And I, I just I don't like it. Like it just doesn't feel it, it's not right. It's not who we are. And so my political worldview is very much so I'm a conservative and I believe in these ideas, but I don't think you're bad if you're a liberal and you believe in certain ideas. Um, you could even be a socialist and like, I wildly disagree with you. I don't think you're a bad person. I just think you're misinformed, but you know, so that's kind of my political worldview is, is I, I think there should be more productive and positive conversations that happen. Um, when we talk about political issues. What issue have you changed on the most? I, I had uh, this question come up in that, that the Make Politics Positive video series that I was doing. Um, and my answer for it was social issues. I mean, I used to be a Rick Santorum supporter, and that was before I was comfortable with who I was. And that was before, obviously, I came out. And, um, <laughs> and It's a big shift. I just want to... Yeah, and, and, and I think that... Um, I think that one of the ideas that that happens is is people think um, or people may assume, oh, you, you don't you therefore because of who you are, therefore you 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 don't view things through a Christian lens or you're not, you're, you know, people, if they heard, Oh, he's a gay conservative, they probably don't think, Oh, he's probably a Christian, you know, that like, that's not the first <laughs> thing that comes up. Um, so I, I have these, these beliefs that, family is important and uh and 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 god and and is important and honoring the things that that christianity and really all religions teach us are important um but politically wise i used to very much think that the government should be in charge of making sure that policies align with certain christian beliefs and now i think um, we can honor our Christian heritage and our Christian beliefs in this country, but we don't, for example, need the government saying, bake the damn cake. We don't need yeah. the government uh, <laughs> prescribing all of these religious solutions uh, to issues. And, and so I would say social issues is the biggest thing. Um, what book has influenced you more than any other? It's not a political book. Uh, and it's, That's it's fine. Yeah. Actually, I, I find those answers uh, to be the better ones. It's Start With Why uh, by Simon Sinek. Anyone who, who knows me well knows that, that. Yeah, it's it's not that uh, not that surprising. But the thing I like about it, and I like Simon Sinek, and I like how he communicates the idea. But the thing I like about it is it, it challenges you to live a purpose-filled life, which is a term that I think was originally coined by a, a Christian author. I actually have the, the book, A Purpose-Filled Life. Um, uh, but 
what I like about Sinek is is he he challenges you to think about why do you do the things that you do, and I'm I'm a big fan of the word intentional, and and I think you people should live intentionally, and they should know why they're doing what they're doing. And ever since reading this book, I read it during my senior year. It was a challenging time for me because I was I was about to graduate, and I didn't really have a grasp on what I wanted my life to be about. And I read the book, and and I have a why statement now, and um, and uh, it's it it guides me and it provides clarity. And I, I think I think that's honestly why a lot of people get so angry nowadays is because they don't have clarity over why they're here on the earth or why they are doing what they're doing. People wind up in, in jobs they hate because they don't think about these things. And so I would encourage anyone who just wants to get, get more clarity in their lives to, to start with why. And then he has, he has a new one, Find Your Why, which is more of a workbook. So maybe if that kind of format helps you. But that's the one book that I would... Uh, I would that has influenced me the most if you could message to the entire world just one thing what would you say these questions sound very familiar uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're talking about okay that's fair um, the one message see I, I ask my guests this every time and I don't know no, if... you say a billboard I'm I'm thinking more along the lines. Well, of a billboard or had to read your tweet or something like that. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. I'm very original. <laughs> well, uh, other other than you know, other than saying like Taylor Swift deserves more credit than she's given <laughs> crap for, uh, uh, because I like she, she you know she's a human. Let her live. Uh, but I, I think the okay. one message I would give is. Um, Oh gosh! Like this is a, this is a hard one. It, it it would be it would be something along the lines of like um, live for other people or uh, or f- find a way to serve. Find a way to make your life a life of service. Something something like that. And it's a message that I'm not even that great at, but um, I think I think that's what people need to know because I, I feel like we're so self-centered now that if people yeah i don't know an interesting thing of that question could be like what's one message that people that you must want people to hear and a message that they would then accept like that would be an interesting thing because then it's like a wish um (laughs) but yeah that that would be my i I find it amusing that that'd be my (laughs) that that you've uh you've asked that question to, to so many people yet uh you and haven't thought about it haven't, yeah. yeah i haven't thought about it yeah and they've um, given really great answers some of them political some of them cultural like all, all these great answers um but i haven't thought about it yeah uh so this one i am i'm almost positive you haven't asked but i'm surprised and really you should have um what okay. is your go-to drink Oh, my go-to drink. I was thinking about this the other day because I've recently become a big fan. I'm not drinking this month, uh, like yes, alcohol. So that's the entire purpose of uh, of this question is to just <laughs> you're trying to make me trying to make, make me that salivate. linger in um, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my my. So I have two answers because one is a fall drink and one is a summer drink. So when it's hot, okay. I like uh, a gin and tonic. But the 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 fall most recent, recent, well, fall when it's cold. Um, so when it, when it's, when it's hot, I like a gin and tonic or a gin. The, the one that I found really good, a gin, mineral water and, uh, lime because the mineral water is not like calories and carbs of, of tonic, but you still get the, the bubbly taste and all that. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, I'm a white mom basically, uh, because I, I care about, I, yeah. Um, and, and by the way, the, the best gin is Tanqueray gin. Uh, because any other gin is stupid, unless it's Hendrix. Hendrix is good, but you know, buy yourself a good gin. Um, and then in the fall, my favorite drink is an old fashioned um, made with TX whiskey, which is the greatest whiskey ever made. But uh, an old fashioned is is like it has some some cherries and and uh, and uh, uh, oranges, and that's kind of the base of it. You muddle that all together, uh, and then you have. Um, like simple syrup and uh, bitters and things like that. So it, that that's a very good drink. And, and then a cinnamon stick usually in there. There's one bar in, in Dallas that I, um, it's in Deep Elm, which is this very hipster, very weird, sketchy, kind of dirty area, but one they would, make the best one. one would be. Yeah. So 
those are my go-to drinks. And then water. I'm a big fan of, uh, of hydrating yourself. Well, I hear that's, that's rather, rather healthy yeah. to, to partake in that uh, particular drink. Um, Steven, we have gone way over <laughs> the amount of time, but that's okay because I think it was a very good interview. And it was our uh, one-year episode of, of this show. So I know. It's exciting. Just, can I, I, I thought it was a can nice I just homecoming uh, episode. Let me just say real quick, because I, the, the one-year anniversary, right? This is a big deal. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, I just want to give you praise for hosting this show for a year um, because of the consistency, because of how much thought you put into the show. And really, it's it's just a unique show. It's like you're doing things that I haven't heard other podcasts do. And uh, and so congratulations. Good job. Well, thank and, you. Uh, and thank you for doing what, what you do. So oh, you. I just want to make sure I, I got that in there. Well, I, I think that it's rather fitting that I would have a debate on taxation for my one-year anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> um, why don't you tell people where they can find you on social media and anywhere else that you might want to be found or not, you know, just depending? Yeah, I'm starting to get like Ron Swanson. I don't really, I want to get off the grid. I don't want well, people you know, to know if where you I could live. go like full-scale Ron Swanson... That I can't grow. Wonderful. I can't grow a mustache. The pro- well, I don't have good... I'm talking like ideology, but okay. go ahead. Well, that, that's fair. <laughs> um, you can find me on on Twitter and Instagram, Stephen underscore Perkins, and that's Stephen with a ph. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Stephen Perkins. Um, I write for Outset. I, I have a podcast on Outset called the Stephen Perkins Podcast because I'm very good at naming things. Um, it's a and then, show. yeah, thank you. And then uh, I have a website, Stephen Perkins. Dot me dot me uh if you want to look at my face on a web i don't know like it's i blog there sometimes but that's my website okay um and again thank you for for joining us you were so difficult to get on this program. i know i'm a diva yeah a whole, a whole year it took a whole year to get you on this so i know um, please uh ladies and gentlemen follow me at caleb franz follow the show at my liberty Give us a rating, give us a review, like us, and tell us something nice on iTunes. Uh, And then until next week, we'll see you.